welcome to the MDS Leadership Series, where we discuss all things related to the REI process. Your host is Natalie Moore, Senior MDS Specialist. Welcome, Natalie. Hey, everybody. It's Natalie, and today we're going to discuss the extension of the public health emergency and COVID-19 emergency declaration waivers. So hopefully by now you have heard that on January 13th of 2023, the public health emergency was extended another 90 days. Now CMS has indicated that they are going to give us at least 60 days of warning prior to the termination of the public health emergency. If and when the termination comes to fruition, the blanket waivers will also be terminated simultaneously. The first blanket waiver that I want to get into is the three-day prior hospitalization. As COVID-19 continues on, we have seen an uptick in the surge over the winter months as expected. And so with that, we're seeing increased usage of the blanket waivers. So LCS is dedicated to ensuring that we're using the waivers properly as CMS has indicated that once the public health emergency is declared over, they will be coming back to complete audits on the over usage of these waivers. So we want to make sure that we understand if and when we should utilize the waivers. The three-day prior hospitalization First and foremost, we have to clinically analyze each situation to determine the appropriateness. So when you have a Medicare Part A beneficiary and you're trying to determine whether the waiver is appropriate in their situations, the first thing that you should ask yourself is, would this condition constitute a three-day qualifying stay under normal circumstances? So what I mean by that is, If you or any member of your team is really familiar with your hospital systems, prior to COVID-19 and the public health emergency, under those what we would deem normal circumstances, would your hospital system have kept that beneficiary for three midnights? Okay, so that's first and foremost. Let's think about that. And then we want to think about what prevented the beneficiary from obtaining the technical requirement, number one, which is the three-day qualifying stay. Is that barrier a direct impact of the public health emergency? That's exactly what the waiver is saying, that the waiver can only be utilized if it's a direct impact of the public health emergency. If you have deemed that the waiver usage could be appropriate, you still have to determine if the beneficiary meets the technical requirement number two, which is the validation of skilled level of care. Let's work through this whole process together, okay? So when we're making the determination whether or not the reason for the resident's inability to obtain the three-day qualifying stay can be walked back to the public health emergency, we're going to have to determine what those barriers are. So some examples of what those could be would be local hospitals are not currently accepting non-critical patients, trying to leave those beds open for their critically ill COVID-19 patients. Some other examples could be your local hospitals are at capacity. 
the beneficiary was discharged from the hospital early to allow open beds for those critically ill patients. Uh, the resident received an observation stay and was never admitted to the hospital due to the potential exposure to COVID-19. And the last example I have is that there's a local initiative in your county and that hospital system to treat your COVID-positive beneficiaries at the skilled level of care versus hospitalization. So that's not an all-inclusive list. Those are just some examples of a barrier that could be in place preventing the beneficiary from obtaining the three-day qualifying stay that is a direct impact of the public health emergency. Although CMS has never indicated that there is a requirement to document any of the circumstances surrounding the waiver usage, it is LCS recommendation that you do just that. We recommend that a summary of circumstances surrounding the use of the waiver is documented in the order to admit to skilled level of care. And the reason why we're recommending that is in the order, that will be quick reference. We have to have an order to admit to skilled level of service for any uh, beneficiary utilizing their Medicare Part A benefit. So that would be a quick reference for you in the event of an audit. In addition to that, your provider is going to sign that order. So moving away from the admit to skilled level of service and then ending there, if you're utilizing the waiver, let's add some additional information. So your order would look something like this. Admit to skilled level of care under 1135 waiver for skilled services due to, then you would insert the unstable medical condition. Resident was unable to obtain the three-day qualifying stay due to, and then you would insert your barrier there and add this statement, a direct impact of the current COVID-19 public health emergency. That is going to assist you and your auditor to know what the circumstances were and to pass any type of audit that's going to take place surrounding your waiver usage. In addition to that three-day hospitalization, we are continuing the 60-day wellness period waiver. And so CMS continues to state that for certain beneficiaries who recently exhausted their SNF benefits, this waiver authorizes renewed SNF coverage without first having to start the new benefit period. So this will give temporary emergency coverage of SNF services without qualifying hospital stay for those people who experienced dislocations or are otherwise affected by COVID-19. With the 60-day wellness period, the determination for the waiver usage here you would be looking at any of your beneficiaries who have been delayed or prevented by the emergency itself from commencing or completing the process of ending their current benefit period and renewing their SNF benefits that would have occurred during normal circumstances. So if a beneficiary has exhausted their benefit, meaning that they have utilized all 100 days of their benefit, they were originally supposed to receive a 60-day wellness period before they would be issued another benefit period. So this current waiver is waiving the 60-day wellness period. So when would you use this waiver? 
If a beneficiary is on day 100 and they test positive for COVID-19, that would be a reason why their 60-day wellness period could not start and a reason why we would issue them another benefit period. Another example could be any exacerbation of a condition related to a prior COVID-19 diagnosis. So let's say your beneficiary was diagnosed with COVID-19 three weeks prior to the exhaustion of their 100-day benefit period, but that diagnosis of COVID-19 has caused an exacerbation of another condition in which we are still trying to stabilize. And then the last example that I have is if the discharge plan for your beneficiary, that location currently is in outbreak, we would not discharge the beneficiary there. And that would be a barrier to uh, commencing that 60-day wellness period. LCS recommends that a summary of those circumstances surrounding the usage of the 60-day wellness period waiver is also documented in uh, the new order to admit to skilled level of care for a quick reference. So anytime a beneficiary exhausts their benefit and is receiving a new 100-day benefit period, the whole admission to the Part A coverage starts over. And so you'll need a new order to admit to skilled level of care for this beneficiary period. In that order, you would document admit to skilled level of care, resident bypassing 60-day wellness period under 1135 waiver for skilled services, resident has been delayed or prevented by the emergency itself from commencing or completing the process of ending their current benefit period and renewing their SNF benefits due to, and then you would insert the reason there, and also add that phrase, a direct impact of the current COVID-19 public health emergency. Just a reminder that even though these waivers are in place, the waivers are only waiving the number one technical requirement, either the three-day hospitalization or the 60-day wellness period. These waivers did not weigh the number two technical requirement for Medicare beneficiaries to admit into the SNF, which is validation of skilled level of care. So we want to verify that the beneficiary does meet the skilled level of care before we utilize the waiver. You would do this in your PVPM huddle confirmed admission preview portion. I want to go over really quickly how to determine the validation of skilled level of care. Your beneficiary must meet all four criteria. So they do need an active diagnosis that was being treated in acute care and that we're going to continue to treat at a skilled level of care in the SNF. The daily skilled need could be daily nursing intervention that as a practical matter, considering the economy and efficiency, the daily skilled service can be provided only on an inpatient basis in a SNF and must be delivered by licensed nursing. The other example could be skilled level of therapy, which is defined as five times per week. So we don't need therapy every day, but five days per week minimum. 
All of these services must be ordered by a physician and again, performed by a licensed professional. So that is a recap of the number one and number two technical requirements and the appropriate usage of the Medicare waivers during the public health emergency. I know this is a lot of information, but we'll work through this together. If you have any questions, please reach out to your clinical and MDS specialist. We'd be happy to assist. Thank you for everything you continue to do every day for our residents and families. It is noticed and appreciated by the LCS Health Services Division. Be on the lookout for the next edition of the MDS Leadership Series podcast, where we're dedicated to the continuing education of our MDS nurses. This has been a Healthcare Highwire presentation. Never stop 